there and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santamire, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to continue our conversation with Steve Pennington. So this is part two of two or part A, B of A. So you can go back and listen to the first part. And um, we just had a phenomenal time talking about the indigenous church principles. So in the last podcast, Steve um, laid a foundational basis of the indigenous church principle, what it meant, uh, means. Is it three, five, six, seven, twelve, whatever number you want to come up with? Um, it was a fabulous conversation. And, and honestly, I just kept asking questions that weren't really um, what we were supposed to be talking on the subject we were supposed to be talking about, but just things that have been ringing in my heart and mind um, after, you know, 15 plus years on the mission field, things I just wanted to learn and grow from Steve. Um, and so it was awesome. And so Pat and I continue on the conversation with Steve. In this part of the the, the podcast, we'll probably delve deeper into partnership and what partnership looks like, the different nuances of partnership. How do we partner with a a mission from another country that maybe doesn't hold to the indigenous church principle like we do? And can we still work together? How do we work together? We tackle some uh, hard uh, questions and Steve does a phenomenal job answering those questions and uh, just a great time. We um, just partnership can be um, can can be a, a blessing. And so we just want to make sure we're doing it well. So there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. You talk about um, Ralph Winter and Jerry Ireland um, identifying two structures. Can you can you share about that a little bit, Steve? I thought that was pretty oh, yeah. fascinating. Yeah, that's, that's actually a great segue because what Ephesians 4 does is it um, it's, it's that, that little illustration from the Bible actually brings out a critical element of our missiology, which, um, that Ralph Winter first began to espouse and in other words, began to write it down and, and explain it to us in 1973. And then our own Jerry Ireland, who's now serving at the university of Valley Forge, um, in a, in a series of articles explaining what Ralph Winter said begins to help us to understand um, what we're talking about. And basically what they do is they, they begin to, to identify and define the purpose and work of the missionary um, and the purpose and work of the local church. And what we find is they're, they're different. Now that that's critical. It's critical for us, for us to understand. So what they, what they've done is they looked at primarily Acts chapter 13 and what winter calls, uh, and you'll find some of these articles. Um, I think one of them, he calls uh, two redemptive structures. And I think the other one, it, Pat, you might need to help me on this. It's in the Big Perspectives book, and I think it's four, four errors, three men, or three men, four errors, something like that. But it's it's Ralph Winter in the in the Perspectives textbook, that huge missions textbook. And what he what he does is in these articles, he begins to look at the early church and the Pauline model, and he identifies uh, two structures. He refers to one as a sodality and the other as a modality. So the, he, he identifies a local church as the modality and the apostolic band, he calls it, we'd probably call it apostolic team, um, as the sodality. So while they have shared values, the entrance into them and their purpose uh, and work are, are vastly different. Um, so entrance into the local church, no restrictions, love Jesus, male, female, young, old, Jew, non-Jew, non-Jew, whatever. If you want to, if you, if you love Jesus, you're a member of the, you, you're a part of the local church. That's, that is a modality. 
entrance into the apostolic team. Now, the apostolic teams, were, it, it required a second decision beyond your decision to follow Jesus. So they're somewhat autonomous, um, often financially independent. They're mobile. They're team-oriented. They'd start a church and, and, and then move to another area. Um, and they repeat the process again. It's a sodality. Now, what, what Ireland adds to the mix is when he begins to look at the, at the entrance into the apostolic team, he says that not only is it, it, not only is it important to have a, a second decision, but you need to be called. You need to be called to be a cross-cultural worker, which is critical to the, to the, to the dialogue. So, so while the missionary team, the sodality, is an outflow or sent from the local church, the modality, their purposes and their activities are very different. So the, the purpose of missions is very specific. We make disciples of all nations by planting the church. Once that's accomplished, we move to the next location and we do it again. So the work of missions is specific and the work of missions is temporary. The work of the local church, however, is different. It's broader and it's permanent in that context. And now understanding this affects everything we do because sometimes uh, local churches in the States that send us or pastors that send us and people that we receive mix up what they're supposed to be doing. And they think of what that local church is doing. Now, while, um, while we share the values. So, so for example, um, the values of, of, if you were to talk to CMN church multiplication network and say, what do you value is uh, when you're planting churches, they'll say, well, we value discipleship. We value demographics. We value proclamation. We value children. We value youth. So they have all of those values. But often what happens is when churches come over and start a ministry apart from the mission, they do things that are completely outside their value mix. They do things that they wouldn't do in the United States in their own neighborhood because they haven't really, they haven't really often thought it out. And so what they think is, is, well, they're sent, so they're just going to do what we do. But it's, it's, that's not the case. What the mission does is different than what the local church does. So the mission is sent by the church to plant the church, but not to do the work of the church. So that the, the purpose and the work of the local church and the missionary are different. So the, the, the work of that local church, it's, it's broader and it's permanent in that location. The, local, the missionary is sent to do something very specific and you're temporary which is also part of a challenge for many missionaries. Did, did that uh, make sense? Did, did that help at all? Or did I just it did a ton. Really Why, what, what are some reasons, Steve, that you found that you said that it's, it's a challenge? Could you just maybe just take a few minutes on why you missionaries kind of struggle with that? Yeah, I think, I think missionaries struggle with the, the temporary part of it. Um, and that's, that's more what I was referring to as the temporary part of it because um, – we all have a need to belong and we all, we all have a need in our hearts to, to a large extent to be in a place that's comfortable. And so what you'll find, um, and you'll find a little bit in our history too, in the, in the fifties, sixties, uh, it was right around the time that Philip Hogan actually became general superintendent. He, he had a, he had a trifecta of missiology, power of the Holy spirit, partnership with the national church and urban complexes. So what you began to see was you began to see a shift on the positive side, missionaries focusing on national church, seeking for Holy spirit empowerment, but also they began to move to the capitals. Now that made total sense because they were working to establish national churches and, and the capitals was the place really to do it in the sense of establishing Bible colleges and, and training centers and things like that. But after a while, you know, it, it's kind of comfortable in the capital, you know, compared to the bush. 
Um, and, you know, even though, you know, Somalia really needs the gospel, I mean, it's really nice in parts of Ethiopia or parts of Kenya, maybe even Uganda, Tanzania, it's nice, you know, and um, I mean, comparatively speaking, relatively so. And so it's, sometimes it's difficult for us as missionaries to say, you know what, uh, the national church has got this. This local church is meeting the needs of this community, and they're, they're I mean, they're mature enough. And so sometimes it's hard because it takes, it takes um, real intentionality to say, you know what, send me. And, and, then, and let that, then let that national church, that, that church that you're part of in that country, whether it's, you know, Burkina Faso or, or you know, Kenya or whatever, send you to another country. I mean, you're still AGWM, but let them be a part of that process of sending you to a place where the church isn't. Because ultimately, that's what we're about. We're about taking the gospel where it's not. We're about planting the church where it doesn't exist. That's what apostello means. So it's, it's uncomfortable sometimes. But what you're saying is, Steve, as I've, I've heard you say, is we're not cutting off the relationship with that that church. We're just being, we're sent by them going to another place to plant the church, but we're not exiting and cutting off relationship with them. We continue in relationship, but it just might look a little different. Is that correct or is that incorrect? Oh, 100%, 100% correct. And, and part of that is because, I mean, if the church looked like, I mean, you know, like you and I mean, I'm looking at three white guys on the screen right now, middle aged. Um, I mean, Aaron is obviously devastatingly handsome and, and, you know, Pat is, you know, blazingly intelligent. But I mean, if the church looked just like us and that was it, I mean, that'd be that'd be we'd be weak. We'd be awful. <laughs> I mean, I love you. I love you guys. But but I mean, the church in its unity and its diversity is is beautiful. And if you've, if you've worshiped in, in, in different languages and in different cultures and in different methods and then heard their, I mean, I still remember when I moved to Ethiopia and I, and, and, and a lot of what they did was still so very close to the new Testament. I'm talking about in their traditions. And I began to see the Bible. I couldn't see it that way. Cause I'm, I'm a typical American guy trained in public schools and went to Bible colleges, you know, and, and the way I see the Bible is pretty, you know, it's pretty narrow. And when I began to see the Bible, like Abata saw it or, or Walde saw it or like Philip saw it, I was like, Oh, or Ahmed saw it. It's like, Oh my goodness. I, 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 we're impoverished if we're it. And so we maintain our relationships because that's first of all, what the kingdom of God is like. And because, because the assemblies of God is richer and wealthier if we're all a part of it. Good word, Pat, Pat, it's over to you. Uh, This is intense, Steve. Uh, I hear you talking about relationship and, and uh, the modality, the, the breadth of what a local church will do, the a sodality of, of what uh, the missionary team uh, would be doing. And, and, and I hear you talking about this all in the context of relationship. So I think that leads us then to, to the next part that, uh, that we often talk about in theology of mission. We always talk about indigenous church principles. And then right after that, we talk about partnership. Um, so can you elaborate a little bit about what is partnership and mission? Partnership, partnership begins the moment you start witnessing. Um, in fact, if you think about it, the moment you start, if you're going to a country and you learn, start learning the language before you can share the gospel, have in your mind partnership, because we often have a disjunction in our mind, which is a false disjunction between the indigenous church principles and partnership. One leads to the other one. One, there's, there's, there shouldn't be a gap. In other words, we are there to plant the church and this is who we're going to work with. And this is who's going to be the leaders of this, of, of, of this church. So partnership is the word 
um, that is used it's, it, by, by missiologists to describe, um, to describe the relationship between the national church and the mission. So some time ago I sat down and I decided, well, you know, how do I, I should write a definition for partnership. So I did, I wrote a definition and, and this is my definition. Partnership reflects the relationship of a sum of God entities serving together for the purpose of planting the church where it is not for mutual edification and for the glory of Christ in an atmosphere of love, trust, and open communication. Now, that's a mouthful. So I, you know, one thing I love to do is I like to take complex things or, or, or uh, big phrases, lots of words, and try to boil it down so we can actually, you know, understand what it means and remember it. So it was during a time when we were training at MTNMR, and I still remember where I was sitting when I really felt like the Lord helped me to see this. And, and so uh, I came up with, with, well, the Lord gave me three, three little phrases that I think describe this better. Being together, growing together, and going together. So in my mind, that's, that's what I think of when I think of partnership. It's being together, it's growing together, and it's going together. And there's a, there's a, a further aspect of partnership, which if, if we have time, I'll talk to you about it at the, at the end a little bit, but something that's really been in my mind in terms of how does, how does partnership function? If we're talking about together, how do we define what that together actually means? Good stuff. I like the uh, I like the condensed version because it, it it helps uh, uh, it helps a West Virginia guy like me uh, be able to remember it. Uh, and uh, but uh, I've not done near the amount of study that you have, Steve. Um, are there different types of partnership, or, or does every mission national church relationship look like the the AG? Uh, no, there's a lot of different ones. And in fact, you know, it was kind of funny because one of the things with this podcast was you guys said, Hey, what are some really good books on partnership? And I'm thinking, uh, uh there's not a lot. And in fact, the last one that in, that I know of that our people, I say our people, some of the God people with our missiology wrote was actually Morris Williams, which is 1991 partnership and mission. And, um, there are a lot of books on partnership and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people writing on it. It's because it's a term that's used a lot in business. It's a term that's used a lot in leadership. Um, if you, if you were to read the evangelical writers, their understanding of partnership is vastly different than ours. Now they, they share a similar goal, but their methodology and the way they go about it is very, very different. So, so for example, some of the, some of the most critical writers are like a guy named Phil Butler with Phil with two L's. And then um, Ernie Atticott. And they're, they're good little books, but uh, Ernie actually said, partnership is not like a marriage. I mean, exclamation point, the whole thing, you know, capital N-O-T, you know. And so then I'm reading in Morris Williams, who, who you know, wrote our missiology, particularly for Africa. Somebody's got AGWM Africa. And, and he said, partnership is like a marriage. And I thought, okay, so we have some, we have some serious differences. Part of, it, part of it has to do with our ecclesiology and the fact that, it's true whether people have experienced it or not. It's true. Everything we do in mission and everything we do in Africa is based on relationship. That's just the way it is. It really does function that way. And if that isn't our experience and you have to ask the question, well, why isn't that? Is it, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I'm the, maybe I'm the challenge. It's like Mike McLaughlin used to say, well, if Chad has a problem with Lucy and, and, and Mary has a problem with Lucy and Mark has a problem with Lucy, maybe there's a common denominator. I mean, I remember he didn't use those names, but I remember hearing Mike say that all the time. So, and, and there's different, there are different types. Like, you know, for example, uh, paternalism. 
journalism is like the missionary is the father. He's the guy or, you know, and, and guy, um, that's always, always the leader, always on top. Um, there's fusion. Um, you've heard Beggs talk about fusion a lot. I mean, not in a good sense because fusion means that the missionary team is absorbed into the national church. There's, there's no sovereignty. There's no separate identity. They just become a part of that national church, a cog in the wheel. Um, there's uh, parallelism. Parallelism means that, that we're like a service agency so that we go into the country and we just serve alongside the national church. And, and I got to confess, there have been times in my missiological career, my missionary career, where I thought, man, parallelism would be really nice with this national church because they're hard to get along with. And parallelism is easy. You drive up in your land cruiser, you show up from nine to five and you go home. Boom, bada boom, bada bing, you're done. If you're going to be involved in partnership like we, default, like we define partnership, it's an investment. In fact, if you, were, if you were to put it on a continuum, um, a partnership continuum, you would have words like network. If you imagine this in your mind, network on the far left side and then collaboration in the middle and then partnership on the far right side. And the further you move from the left to the right, there's, it's more involvement, it's more intimacy, and it's more investment. That's the way the Assemblies of God defines partnership. It's, 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 in, it's investment. It's intimacy. It's involvement. Our, our Assemblies of God partnership, it runs on love. I mean, how can you serve with people that you don't love? Why would you want to serve with people that you don't, you don't like or you don't trust or maybe you hate? Love is critical to everything we Steve, so, you know, I, I live and work in Madagascar and um, we have different missions to come as we talk about missiology. Um, we have the Reunis mission here. We have the Mauritians that come and work and then the French have been in and out. And is it possible for us to work with um, with other missions that come in this working with the same national church, but maybe don't have the same missiology that we do? Can that work? And what's some wisdom and insight on, on that um, that might help the listeners? Um, that's a really good question. And it's something I think that we, um, we face more acutely in some places than in others. I, I've, I've discovered over the years that, um, missions moves. So relationships, there's always times of expansion and there's also times of, of contraction. It's just kind of the nature of it. But in the places where we, and I say we, the American Assemblies of God actually started the local church, which became the, the local church, which became the national church. I find that our relation, our relational basis is very different than in places where we didn't start it. Um, so that uh, we know what it's founded upon. We have the same values. We have the same uh, focus. Um, as a missionary, we have to understand what we do is uh, in those situations in particular, we have to really think further ahead and what we do now we're actually doing for the future i believe in the imminent return of jesus christ but there's that old missionary saying live like jesus could come at any moment and build like he never will and i think we have to kind of take that tack i i was in a conversation not long ago with a, a general well not long ago a few years back in in uh east africa with a general superintendent and there were a lot of other organizations that had started to come to the table now we started uh, I say we, the, our, our, our predecessors, our, our, you know, uh, missionaries, some of that missionaries started that national church years ago. And um, I have a very good relationship with that general superintendent. So I could ask some questions very directly. And a lot of other partners had started to come to the table and actually sit at literally like physically, not a metaphor. I mean, like physically sit at the table and, uh, and, you know, it, it kind of, honestly, it, it kind of agitates some of our missionaries because, you know, we believe marriage is like 
I mean, partnership is like a, a marriage, but our national churches don't always, don't always think like that because as a general superintendent, they're thinking, okay, I've got to get from point A to point B. And if AGWM doesn't help me get there, what do I need to do to get there? I mean, that's just the way they, they often think. And so, you know, you're sitting at a table and there's all these other folks there. Um, so I was talking to that general superintendent about it. And he said, Steve, he said, the truth is, is there are certain things that we needed that uh, AGWM either doesn't have, can't give us. Um, we didn't get a chance to discuss whatever, but he said, this group does have that. And because of that, we, we want their resource. And then he looked at me because he could tell that, you know, I felt like, a, you know, a cheated on husband, if you would. And he kind of looked at me and he said, Steve, he said, you, you need to understand something. Um, we're grateful for them. We love them. And we, we want their resources. But we want your DNA. And when he says your DNA, he, he means the Assemblies of God, USA. He said, we want AGWM. We want your DNA. And, and the place at the table that the mission has in that particular country, even though there may be others at the table, the weight at that end of the table is heavier than any other, any other place that any other, or other organization sits. If we weren't the ones that started that national church, often we find ourselves not in that position. We find ourselves in the other position so that we are maybe the resource or we are, um, we are something that, you know, well, resource, they, they, they need something from us. They want something from us, maybe to get to point from point A to point B. And as some of us have got missionaries moving in a specific direction in that location, we have to play the long game. We have to do it with, with tremendous relationship and um, relational skills. Rather, we need to continue to build relationship because we're, our, our hope is, is to help that national church get to a point where they don't, they don't have to have all these people sitting at the table, but they can do it themselves. And it takes long, sometimes a long time, which of course I realize militates against, you know, the temporary part that I talked about earlier, but temporary means different things in different contexts. Um, and you have to play the long game in that particular context and building relationship, understand. And if you get the chance to study the history of those other missions and to get to know the leaders of those other missions, then it'll help you understand your national church as well. Good word. Yeah, I'm sure you have some fabulous insight for that. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. No, it's a good word. Um, man, there's just so much there to, uh, uh, to reflect on, upon Steve. And I, I think again, just everything coming back to relationship and, uh, I, I know you've been, uh, mulling around some new ideas as a, as it relates to relationship and, uh, partnership. Uh, would you like to, uh, uh, we've been talking about this privately. I'm just wondering if you'd like to care to elaborate on it a little bit more. Yeah, I, actually I, I would. And it kind of goes back to what we had talked about, uh, you know, being together, growing together going together. Um, some things that I've been, I've been um, just praying about and thinking about and, and I get my greatest ideas while I'm jogging. I mean, I, I know I don't look like I jog, but I jog a lot. And, and other, other than the fact I limp because my knees hurt, but I, uh, I was jogging the other day and I'm praying and I felt like the Lord just really dropped something in my heart. And it's another dimension of partnership. And it's pretty simple, but partnership begins at home. One of the reasons I knew who I could trust in Ethiopia was because I was in their homes. I, I, I met, their, I met the, 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 the husband and wife, the children. I saw them interact. They welcomed me into their home. They welcomed my family into their home. And we welcomed them into our home. 
And so it began, it began um, a bit of a personal journey with me asking questions. Do we, do we share our lives with these people? Do we share, do we share our families with these people? And not just, not just the national folks on the ground that we're working with, but even our, even our own missionaries, are we, are we cloistered off or do we actually do it together? Uh, do we actually do missions together? Do we actually um, love the national church together? Um, I had a, I actually had a leader uh, in, in Ethiopia back in the day, back in the, you know, there was a kind of a painful period and, and a general superintendent actually. And I went to him and I said, I, I really want to get, to, he was just elected. I didn't know him very well. And I just said, I'd like to really get to know you and get to know your family. But I said, maybe, maybe uh, you can come over to my house for dinner or I'll come over to your house for dinner. I was hoping he'd invite me because I love Ethiopian food. <laughs> but I said, um, I said, uh, you know, I'd love to meet your family. And he literally looked at me and says, you'll never meet my family. And, and I, it shocked me. I thought, what do you mean I'll never meet your family? But at that moment, I realized I really can't, I can't trust this person. Um, and actually, that, that, that uh, bore itself out to be true. Uh, <laughs> I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't trust the guy. I mean, do we, do we trust them with our families? Do we trust them with our kids? Um, do, we, do, we trust them, do we trust them to love our kids and to speak into our kids' lives? I still remember sitting, sitting at Yule's in Mombasa with uh, Philip Kitoto, Dina, uh, Dina Kitoto, Trina, myself, and our youngest son, Micah. And I still remember sitting across the table. We're at Yule's. You know, we'd, we'd been teaching and preaching a whole week for the general superintendent, I mean, the, the district superintendents in, in uh, Mombasa. I mean, the KAG across the board, but we had done it in Mombasa. And then we were just kind of taking a day to be together. And, and as we're sitting there, just kind of relaxing, you know, getting ready to have a, uh, you know, the Rocco burger, whatever it was, a fabulous ice cream. Micah is sitting right across from Philip Kitoto. Philip Kitoto looks at Micah. Because uh, Micah had this fabulous EQ. He could talk to toddlers and he could talk to general superintendents and this. And Philip Kitoto looks at me and he says, Micah, what three things have your parents taught you? What have you learned? What three things? Give me three things right now. What, what have you learned from your parents? And I mean, Micah shot back and he said, I, I, from my parents, I've learned to love Jesus, to love the lost and to love the church. And Kitoto, he just kind of, he sat back kind of stunned and he looked at me and he said, did you hear that? Then Micah turned to look at me and went, what? Am I wrong? Is that wrong? Is that bad? <laughs> it was, it was a priceless moment. I mean, I mean, of course, Trina and I were so stinking proud, you know, of not only Micah, but what he said, you know, it was just, it was incredible. Um, the other day we were, Trina and I were thinking about this, <clears throat> particularly as it relates to the national church. Excuse me if I get a little teary, but, and she said, she said, Steve, you know, I mean, even, even like Walded and Yacho, um, when he heard that Micah had passed away, I mean, I didn't ask him. He just jumped on a plane, brought his wife and his brother, and they hopped on a plane from, from uh, D.C. and flew, flew to be with us, just, just to be with us. And, and um, Trina told me the other day when we were, I was telling her this idea about, you know, partnership begins at home. She, she said, Steve, she was crying, of course. She said, um, we shared our son with them, and they shared our pain with us. And that's what I think about when I think of partnership. Moments like that. And it's true. I remember walking into the church and uh, there they were. Uh, nothing was going to stop them. Uh, they were going to be there uh, to share with you uh, and to celebrate a, a life well lived uh, by Micah. And it really does, uh, Steve, speak to uh, the depth of relationship and uh, what partnership is, is all about. So. 
Man, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Lord. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, Steve. Steve, one last question um, before we ask you to pray for us. Um, what role does attitude play in, in missions partnerships? Because you that that idea of in, inviting in national church and them knowing your family, you have to have a. a I would think you would have to have a, the right attitude. You couldn't <laughs> to walk into that. That's not just any attitude to work. And um, because listen, you can have people in your home and they know whether they're welcome or not. You can have somebody into your home and have them for a meal and just be walking through the, the, the thing. Cause this is the right thing to do, but they can know your attitude, whether this is you really want them to be there or not want to be there or you care. So, so what role does attitude play in mission and in, in, in partnership? Yeah, that's, that's a great, that's a great question. You know, Aaron, it's, it's a bit like relationship. Attitude is everything. And, and the missionaries that I have experienced and I've seen, I mean, and, you know, Pat and I, our short career since 1992, um, I mean, we've seen dozens of people come and go. I mean, dozens. Mm-hmm. And, and it breaks our heart. And, 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 you know, sometimes there's, there's circumstances that just can't be helped. Or sometimes it was for a short term. We get that. But then there's others you see and, and, there's just something in the attitude that if that doesn't shift and it makes them like concrete. And when you're like that, you become, um, breakable attitude. Attitude is everything in missions because mission by nature, um, it moves mission by nature is temporary. It's uneven. It's, it's messy. What we do is messy. And so because of that, we, we have to be in, we have to be bathed in a few ideas that have come to my, my mind lately is the, we have to be bathed in intentionality. We have to be bathed in uh, faith. We have to be bathed in patience. We have to be bathed in humility, which is really hard for us. And we have to be bathed in, in love. So if we are bathed in, in intentionality, what do I mean, what do I mean by that? What, what, do you, what, do you, what do you do to build this relationship? What do you do to build this partnership? Uh, the, the times I've regretted uh, doing something missiologically were typically the times when a pastor said, hey, let's go have a cup of coffee. And I said, got a meeting, don't have time. Or, I mean, I remember very clearly a, di- a general superintendent talked to me about a missionary that didn't, didn't attend some district councils. And I said, no, I know they were there. I, 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 I discussed it with them. They said, well, they didn't stick around for dinner. Um, I mean, it's just little things like that. Where, what, what, you know, where's our intentionality? What are we doing that can build this relationship? And what are we doing that can harm this relationship? Because in the end, it's, it's, about, it's about relationships. Um, faith. It may not be your experience right now, but trust it. It takes time. Um, relationship takes time. Trust, trust the Holy Spirit. Love the people that Jesus has sent you to serve with and the people that Jesus has called you to serve. Live your, live your life with them. Share your life with them. And trust Jesus for the fruit. Um, patience. There, there will, and this, and this one, and maybe LD people, this is particularly for them, but there will always be a harvest. Always. If you sow, there will be a harvest. I mean, it's a biblical truth. The Bible is very clear. So our role is is to to plant, constantly be planting that seed. You may not be there to see it, uh, to see the harvest of what you sow, but that's okay. Sow it anyway. Sow it anyway, because that's what Jesus has called us to do. The Lord knows. So just keep on planting, keep on sowing, keep on spreading that seed, being very intentional to make sure it's good seed, because it's gonna, it's, there will be a harvest, always. And um, this one's a hard one, humility. 
Um, we talk about humility a lot, but it's, it's really hard to practice. Um, it's one thing to preach on being a servant. It's another thing to be treated like one. <laughs> I've, been, I've been in a few circumstances where I just had to swallow hard, you know. And um, as missionaries, I mean, we t- I mean, let's face it, missionaries tend to be drivers. I mean, and often we're tied with personality disorders. I mean, we we're we, we're forward thinking, we're moving, we get to the field, you know, we got to rush to get there, so we we fight to get there, and sometimes misguided but kind souls in our churches well actually in the states well you're a hero and you know well yeah you know maybe i am maybe maybe i am a hero i (laughs) i keep my cape in my other bag you know i but we have to we we have to there's something in this we can't long to be the hero if you're if you're called to be a missionary then you're called to be the person on the side if you're called to be the missionary you're called to be the person in the margins if you're called to be a missionary you're called to be the person whose name is not on the marquee that's what missions is that's who we are remember we have to remember that you're there to serve and you may not be the guy or the gal in front i had something happen when okay when the kenya somebody's got sorry that most of my illustrations from east africa but randy i'm coming to west so i have a lot of a lot of illustrations from west eventually jesus theories but um i still remember the kag installation now the kag general council was brutal the election i mean that's a whole podcast in itself maybe someday we'll talk about that but but jesus did i mean he did a miracle and we got a great leader philip kitoto and then his team i mean just wonderful brothers and lord and and, and their wives and i mean it's just it was it was beautiful but so the installation comes and i'm pretty excited about the installation lohenberg and i are there well i'm supposed to sit on the platform in the front um i got put in the back now I was a guy that I, I, I led the, I led the, uh, the, which the election and, but I was, I was in the back row. Eventually I got put, you know, got put back again on the front row. And there was a couple guys there. I didn't even know. I mean, we were at this big old facility and there's a couple guys on the front. I didn't even know. And I thought I know everybody that someone's got in Africa. I didn't even know these guys. So I'm sitting there on the, you know, I finally I get back put back on the front row. Well, I'm supposed to do this, this, and this in the, in the ceremony. Well, after a while, this guy's going to do that. This guy's going to do that. And Pennington, you're just going to do this. And then they couldn't even figure out what they wanted me to do. I mean, you feel, you feel pretty much like a zero when you're the area director and they put you on the back row. You know what I'm talking about? And then you get moved to the front row, but they're not really sure what to do with you. At the church you served in for, I mean, 20 years or something like that, you know, 18 years, you know. Um, so then at the end, they had a prayer. And um, I got to actually introduce uh, Dr. Mtokambali, which was, which was a real treat for me. But, and, then, and then at the end, we had a prayer. So we all gathered around, Philip Kitoto and Dina, and we all laid our hands on him. We prayed. Well, the next day, it hit the national papers. Um, the installation of Philip Kitoto as the general superintendent of the Kenya Assemblies of God. And um, there, were a couple of, there were a couple of American dudes that just kind of blew in and showed, showed up at the meeting. I didn't even know they were coming. In fact, I never met these guys. One was a pastor and one was a, a missionary, but I, I never met these guys. I didn't know who they were. I didn't see any approvals come across my desk. I just, you know, I showed up at the meeting and there they were and shook their hands and met them. It's nice to meet you. I've heard of you. So when, they, when you get the picture, um, I, I was pretty excited to see the picture because, you know, I, I was going to be in the picture with Kitoto and Tokumbali and, you know, as he's installed as it. And right in the middle of the picture is this big white guy with his arms spread out, kind of like Jesus. And it was that Jesus in Brazil or wherever it is, you know, the statue of you, this big white guy kind of with his arms spread out like that, you know, and, and in front is Kitoto and, and, and Tokumbali, they're hugging each other. Well, that white guy wasn't me. I'm thinking, well, I know I was in the picture somewhere. And so I'm looking around at the picture. I'm looking at all the details. I'm getting real close to the paper, trying to figure out where am I? And on the, on the left side of the platform, I see these two little tiny white hands reaching over and touching Kitoto's <laughs> touching Kito shoulder. That's all I saw with these two little white hands. 
And I realized those are my little white hands. And the Lord really, the Lord really spoke something into my mind, my heart right then. I mean, it hit me in the solar plexus. It hit me hard. Don't strive to be the guy in the front of the photo. Cause that's not, that's not what a missionary is. A missionary is not the guy standing with his arms, you know, and you know, and the missionary is not the guy in the front. The missionary is the guy or the gal on the side. Usually the, the little two little hands just, you know, laying your hands on them or the missionary is the person taking the photo. Humility. Mm. Humility. And, and then the last, the last one is, is love. So integrity, intentionality, faith, patience, humility. And then the last one is love. And I know I, I keep coming back to that. Every action of God towards us, every action of God towards us is always founded on love. Yeah. All of it. Study it, study it throughout, the, throughout the biblical text. Even when you study wrath and judgment, everything is founded on love. And when Jesus said he wanted a description or he gave a description of his relationship between, I mean, the relationship between the disciples, that's the same word that he used. A new command I give you. This is how they're going to know you because you love one another. Love. Lots and lots of love. Good word. Steve, will you pray for us? We pray for pray for the audience that God will use what you shared. Um, not just that we gained a lot of information today, but we'll let this sink in and this will affect uh, maybe these are new missionaries that are listening to this. Maybe these are uh, missionaries been on the field six terms, seven terms, and maybe these are supporting churches that are listening to this, but they will use this and um, they will take what you shared and um, it'll make an impact um, not only in their thought life, but in their actions. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, by the way, before we pray, thank you for the uh, privilege. It's an honor to sit with you fellas. I love both of you and have nothing but respect for you and love. Lots and lots of love. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the privilege of serving you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you call us. Thank you that you don't send us out alone. Thank you, Jesus, that you send us empowered by the Holy Spirit and surrounded by team. Thank you, Jesus, for our leaders that we serve with. Thank you, Jesus, for the national churches, the local churches we have the privilege of serving with. And I pray for the missionaries, Lord Jesus, that are now in places where the church does not exist. I pray, God, that you would drop hope in their hearts that would burn like an eternal flame. That when they declare the word, even though they may be speaking to one person, or maybe two people, the Father in their mind's eye, they would see hundreds of local churches, thousands of believers baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit, they themselves declaring the word and bringing people to know Jesus Christ, they themselves planting churches. Father, I pray for the missionaries that right now are in, in difficult relationships with, with national churches. I pray, Jesus, give them wisdom. Give them patience, work in them character. And I pray, Jesus, that every day that as they go to the word and as you, as you uh, illumine the word, Holy Spirit, speak a word of encouragement to them, I pray. Encourage them, Lord Jesus, by what could be. Father, I pray that in the difficult times, you would show them a way forward. And that, Father, you would put tenacity and character, work it into their spirits, work it into their souls, Jesus, because we're all, we're all going to walk through hard times. It's a matter of how we respond to it. It's a matter of who surrounds us. Surround them with people that love them and encourage them, Lord Jesus. 
Father, for the pastors and the other leaders that are listening to this podcast today, I pray, Jesus, that that your blessing would rest on them and that, Father, that they would pray for and send and support and and pastor and care for the missionaries that that you have placed um, in their care and that they would realize their role in making disciples of all nations. Father, we, we indeed, we pray Psalm 67, that you turn your face toward us, let your face shine upon us and bless us that the saving and delivering power of Jesus might be known among all nations. And Father, in those places, those all nations, where the church is not, Father, empower us to plant the church along with our friends that walk with us, the journey together with us, in the places where we have um, national church pastors, Jesus, across the continent, such wonderful brothers and sisters. Oh, God, bless them. Bless their families, bless their homes, bless their churches. Give them wisdom, Jesus. And especially during this pandemic, Father, give them wisdom, Jesus, and and courage and power, Lord Jesus, uh, to, to declare the word and plant the church. And Father, multiply their efforts, I pray. Surround them with teams of people filled with wisdom and with the Holy Spirit. And use them, I pray, for your honor and for your glory. Father, we give you all praise. You